Welcome to this episode of the Sneaker Principle Podcast. I love this space because this is the truest, most honest space that I've ever had in my life. Because I get to come on and sit in front of this microphone and speak, speak about things that are true to me. As I have lived a very interesting life across various careers and having spent the majority of my adulthood in education, I've reached a turning point. Maybe not a turning point, but more like a crossroads. And in this crossroads, or better on this crossroads, I am getting ready to embark into a space that will allow me to really judge whether I know what I think I know, or maybe more so realize what I don't really know about education, specifically public school education. Back in 2005, I arrived in New York City with a backpack and a duffel bag flying in from LAX, you know, and um, not quite sure what this journey, this adventure would be exactly. Um, All I knew was that from sometime around the month of June up until the start of the school year, which would be in September, that I'd have a crash course on teaching, specifically teaching in public schools. And um, I, I remember fondly the people that I was in with over at uh, Mercy College as part of the New York City Teaching Fellows. We were a motley crew of career changers and a few career initiators, but we were as diverse as the students that we would be teaching in our classrooms. Over the course of that summer, we talked about classroom management, how to keep kids engaged, the history of the community we would be working in, work that we would be working in at that point in time. Um, it was the South, it was pretty much the Bronx. A lot of us would be, would end up in the South Bronx or within the vicinity of the South Bronx, but it was mostly the Bronx, you know, um, with a few outliers, those who weren't even secure positions who ended up um, maybe in Manhattan, maybe in Queens, but we were all getting ready to work in the Bronx. And I'll be honest with you, in my mind, I thought light work. Apart from being foreign to New York City, you know, coming from Los Angeles, I thought to myself, there's no way in the world that there'd be anything here in New York City that would even come close to intimidating me as someone who grew up in South Central LA, attended school in the South Bay. Um, when you talk about drugs, gangs, poverty, you know, not foreign. Um, even even with living in what was what was considered a black suburb in California. But Black suburb in Inglewood, California is not the same thing as black suburb in 
the valley or anywhere else that you would have this image of what the suburb looks like. We dealt with our share of violence and death and drugs and things of that nature. So coming to the Bronx, I thought to myself, there's no way in the world I would see anything even remotely close to intimidating me until I arrived within the school building. And I remember the first day, the first day I stood in front of a classroom. I was a, uh, um, a 12 to 1 um, self-contained special ed teacher teaching science. I was teaching um, living environment, which is biology for those of you who are not in New York, and um, conceptual physics, uh, which is physics without the math. And I was teaching ninth and 10th grade. So 10th grade was living environment biology and ninth grade was conceptual physics. And it was my conceptual physics class, a bunch of ninth graders that I found myself frozen in front of. Um, it's one thing to try to align your experiences and say, oh, I've done this before. And then um, be right in the midst of the actuality of the work. And um, I hadn't even started teaching yet. I was just like first moment in front of a classroom introducing myself and I froze. I was completely taken aback and overwhelmed by the enormity of what I had chosen to do, be a high school teacher in the Bronx. That was also coupled with the fact that I had also accepted a secondary role, which as soon as I got through the school, I realized it was actually my primary role and teaching would be my secondary role. And that was being the dean of students or back then, more specifically, the dean of discipline. It's one thing I've, I, that I think is very funny. Schools that have a pretty good school culture have dean of students. <laughs> schools that have cultures that are a little, you know, suspect, have deans of discipline. So I started my career as a dean of discipline, which is not a, a title that I, would, that I would use in any capacity in any school that I lead um, because it just sends the wrong message that it's all about just corralling and controlling the children. Dean of Students makes more sense because it's really more about culture and establishing a safe and um, communal space for the students and teachers and families and so on and so forth. But in this space, day one, I was definitely the Dean of Discipline and then um, making attempts to be the uh, special education, self-contained living environment and conceptual t physics teacher. And I'll be honest with you, um, those years so far, far back, you know, I was in a whirlwind. I was trying to find a way with balancing the enormous responsibility of being the dean of students at a school that was struggling. Um, the year before, it had about 400 incidents entered into uh, the system that, that is used here in New York City to track incidents. And um, seeing everything from from like cutting class to uh, fights. I'm talking about full-on fights and brawls, whatever the case may be. And um, 
I spent that year, you know, honestly feel like I was faking teaching and really focusing my, my energy on creating a stabilized environment for the students and teachers. And um, by the end of year two, um, surprisingly, my teaching had gotten better. But um, I have to say I cheated. The reason I, I can say that I cheated in becoming a better teacher is because I was the dean of discipline. So my classrooms had students who already knew that if they acted up, the person that would be called in any other of the classes would be the dean of discipline, or better yet, the dean. And I was the dean and their teacher. So the kids didn't give me any real problems at all. They were, I would say, 95% well-behaved. I mean, nothing's ever perfect. And um, the things that first-year teachers struggle with as far as getting kids to be quiet and listen in for instructions were not that difficult for me because, again, students were like, listen, I'm not going to mess up with the dean. It's just like when the principal walks into a classroom, everybody's like, oh, it's the principal. Um, I was the guy when Dean Lawrence, as I was fondly, call, fondly called my first two years in, the, in New York City schools, Dean Lawrence, when he walked into the classroom, kids were like, oh my God, Dean Lawrence is here. You would hear teachers yelling in their classroom. I'll hear him down the hall. You better sit down before I call Dean Lawrence. You know what? You better X, Y, Z before I send you to Dean Lawrence. And I would hear kids say, no, no, Miss, 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 you chill, chill, chill. I always got a snitch. So it's funny because that was my identity my first two, two, first year into two, my second year. I was kind of like the boogeyman, Dean Lawrence, the Dean of Discipline. But I can honestly, I can honestly say that, um, yes, that fear of being sent to Dean Lawrence was real. Not because I was some scary guy when you got to me, all of a sudden the world would end. Because the kids knew that I would do my job. I'll call your parents in there. I'll call your parents. I'll call your parents in. I'll meet with you and, and your teacher. I went through the process to to um, establish um, a normalcy of what our culture should look like. You know, all those chaotic things or whatever the case may be, they created the disturbance in the force. My job was to bring that back into alignment. And the kids knew that um, I was I would do my due diligence. And often they knew that I would also make sure they were part of the process, you know. And um, and that's how I was successful as, as the dean of, of discipline. The kids were not afraid of me per se. They just knew that I would follow the rules to make sure we bring order back into whatever chaotic situation was created. And um, and I was really good with establishing a relationship with parents. Parents respected the fact that I was always communicative. Um, I was always respectful. And I was also very respectful of their child. You know, I never came after uh, them with the, your child did X, Y, Z. You know, your child, your child, your child. It was always like, you know, this is something happened today. Me and your child discussed it, and I just want to make sure you're part of the conversation. And if it required that they were called in, okay, you know, you need to come in so we can further whatever, whatever needs to happen in this situation. And um, the kids respected that. And uh, then uh, I found my, uh, I found my stride, and from there it kind of like went from those first two years 
Then I went to my second school, my third year. Then I went to my fourth. I went to my third school, my fourth year. Not because I was fired or anything like that. It's just that um, I found myself part of a turnaround team. And that turnaround team, you know, we arrived at my third school. I was the dean. This time, the dean of students. There were some issues at the school, but however, I also had come to the, to the understanding of how powerful it is to not be a dean of discipline, but be the uh, dean of students. You know, to be to be the central figure that really supported the lives of students on campus. Um, it's funny. I remember um, in college, you know, when you heard about the dean. It wasn't somebody whose job was to make your life miserable. It was someone who was like a parental figure, somebody who was there to guide you, to really make sure that there was a, 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 a force of authority to keep you safe, keep you on in line. You know, in, and when I mean in line, in accordance with the path you were on towards graduating or finding success in this world. That's what, that's what I became. So, uh, so yeah. You know, I, I'm 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 reminiscing on these in these on this on this space. You know, um, it's been a long time since I've been a, a, the dean. You know, I've since been assistant principal and a principal, and um, you know, it's something that's it's very very important. Most schools don't realize the importance of maintaining school culture as the foundation of everything else to make the school community successful. And often the dean is someone who is poorly trained um, and takes them a, lot, a long time to reach that space where they can actually um, be successful in helping create, maintain, monitor, and grow a culture that allows for students to be successful, allows for everyone that's part of the community to have a foothold foot in moving forward. So um, one thing I want to do in the next couple of episodes of this podcast is talk about this. I penned a book, um, and this book here is called The, um, the, the Dean of Students. Actually, no, it's not called Dean of Students. It's called From Classroom to Dean of Students. And it's uh, key, the key to successful transition because unlike myself, who at my first interview to be a teacher, I was also told I'll be the dean of discipline. Um, most people who become deans in schools that have deans, they were someone who's already in the classroom in most cases for a number of years and had been really successful in, in really establishing and maintaining strong culture in their classroom. And we're, and that spilled beyond the classroom to other classrooms or even to the hallways and to the cafeteria where that teacher was the person that most kids would be like, listen, that's the person I go to when I need, a, when I have a problem. That's the person once, once I see them, whatever shenanigans I'm involved in, I'll stop because I respect this person. And often these are the people who become or, or ask to become deans. Because the belief is that whatever they do in their classrooms, they're going to be able to have that transition into their um, into the whole entire school. And um, it's a tall it's a tall order to ask. It's a tall order to ask. And I'll tell you why it's a tall order to ask. 
because one thing it's one thing to create that space in your own classroom within the four walls of your small kingdom, right? There's another thing to say, take what you do for, excuse me, that you do for um, 25, 30, 30 kids at a time and do it for 300, 600, 700, 800, 1,000 kids. You know, being able to um, to multiply that experience that you've created in your classroom and have that encompass a whole entire school, it's a challenge. And I've seen many deans or teachers who've chosen to go into that path of becoming a dean struggle and fail. I can tell you over the course of my career, I've worked with several deans, several deans, deans that I've trained or several deans have shadowed me. And um, I'll tell you this, the vast majority have not fared well in the role. Those who fared well, there was a little bit of a natural ability that they had that allowed them to do really well in that role. Those who who struggled and walked away from the position is because they were trying to mimic something that they thought was the, the way to do the job to be successful at being a good dean of students. Um, the only thing that, that was that was that sucked about that, there is no written manual. As far as I've seen, um, there is no specific training that says, "Hey, if you want to become a dean of students, here is a training for you to to attend a multi multi sessions, you know, over the course of months or weeks or whatever the case is to be to be really strong at being a dean of students." I have not seen that. I've seen that be something provided for teacher leaders. I've seen that something, what I mean by teacher leaders is those who, those who are in the classroom who become department heads or become or spend time developing their, their operational know-hows, um, the instructional know-hows to be able to support um, large assistants beyond their classroom, whether it's supporting their, a team of teachers within a department, a grade level, or even taking on other administrative roles within a school whether it's like becoming a special education coordinator, um, and things of that nature, right? So there are programs literally created for that. Most um, schools, school systems have those programs in place and it's very well structured, readings, tasks, projects, things of that nature to really develop that. But for deans, it's all operational systems. What I mean by that is, how to use this system to enter incidents, how to fill out this form for suspensions, how to, what letters do you use, you know, for, for incidents, if you want to invite a parent in, what are the timeframes, all these little things that are all more operational are the things that exist. And as I was coming up as a, as a dean, these are the things that the only trees are available to me. And those things are sessions, right? They're, man, they're really more manually based. Like, okay, you follow these steps, right? But the art of the art of being a dean, that is not something that was um, available. And I don't think it's available, period. And I've been looking. And I mean, and my looking has been specifically here in New York City. Um, I spent time in California. I spent time in Nevada. And those three places never start. It's almost like if you're gifted at it, 
you kind of like built it as you went. But think about this. If the dean of students has a strong ability to impact school culture, shouldn't it be appropriate training? So this, this is why I kind of, this is why, this is not even a kind, this is why I penned this book. The, uh, from classroom to dean of students, the key to, I'm sorry, <clears throat> the key for successful transition. How do you transition from being the teacher in the classroom who's really good at, at creating culture and, and an environment where kids want to be in and where the kids are doing what's, what they need to do? And even in addressing issues, you do it seamlessly. You know, you help kids save face. You get parents engaged in the process and, and you have people you know, kind of like praising, praising you for such an amazing environment you've created. And then going and being asked to do this for a whole entire school and realizing that it's like, it's like cooking, right? There's certain dishes that it's just hard to explain how to make because it's, it's more instinctual, right? But I also believe that if someone spends enough time with the chef and watches them and, and it's not just trying to mimic, but trying to understand tastings and why and the feelings and emotions around why, how you do those things, that what ends up happening is that dish, not necessarily replicated, can be created in a way that is very, very similar, just as delicious, but it might have its own flavor to allow you the, the new chef to be able to create something for their own space. This speaks to the, their own eaters, right? So the same thing with being a dean of students. So I'm going to stop there. Um, tomorrow, when I come back on again, or the next time I come back on, what we're going to do is we're going to flip through this book, and I'm going to take you section by section, chapter by chapter, and discuss um, the intricacies of that transition from being a teacher to a dean of students. And then um, hopefully this will be helpful to someone out there. If you're interested in this book, you know, I'm going to put a, I'm going to put um, uh, I'm going to put the title in the description um, from classroom to Dean of students, the key for successful transition by Uche L. Njoku EDM. And, um, and it's available on Amazon and um, you can also order it directly from, um, from my website, but it's really more of a link to Amazon. <laughs> If you want to order multiple copies of it for your district or who or or for a number of people, um, or, or 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 even for your schools, you can order directly from my website, um, and then from there I can give you a better rate on getting copies that way than having to pay the full retail price on um on Amazon. But um, that's for another time, and um, till next time, have an amazing rest of your day, and I'll talk to you soon. Be well.